Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Table Church Podcast. It is Pastor Megan today without Pastor Phil, but I have two special guests with me. So I'm going to let you each just introduce yourselves. I think that uh, no one would be better than you to do it. So, Lindsay, do you want to go first? Sure. What do you, do you, just my name, or do you want me to, what do you want me to say? <laughs> oh, that was perfect. All right, Kelsey. <laughs> Like full life story or right? We could probably start with uh, your name and um, your the names of your pets. Okay. Uh, my name is Lindsay, and I have three pets. My <laughs> right now, for now, my dog's name is Echo, and then we have two black and white cats that are named Hawkeye and Trapper. And I am Kelsey, and we have two Vishlas which are dogs. Um, <laughs> somebody asked me about this, and I was like, how do you not know that? Um, and they're named after Harry Potter, so it's Kingsley and Gus, but his full name is Argus. Oh, my gosh. That is it. awesome. Yeah. Have you guys? Do you guys know who John Hodgman is? He has a side podcast just called Get Your Pets. <laughs> Everybody can Google it. Um, so anyway, we are here today um, because, well, last month was what is the official name of the month well i think the last week in april is infertility awareness week Mm -hmm. i feel like the whole month i was being given things but maybe maybe in preparation for that last week yeah Yeah, so infertility awareness week and Mm -hmm. so we missed it just timing wise it didn't work out to record until now but i feel like the people are not gonna mind (laughs) So we invited you to on um, just to share a little bit about your stories because you have been so generous with your stories, um, you know, sharing details about your own lives um, with people uh, who need to hear about it. So we thought it would be a really great time to have you on just to talk about your own experiences, which are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some overlap, of course. And so I kind of wanted to just throw it out to the two of you and I thought maybe we could start with just kind of sharing um your own you know little story of of how how do you come (laughs) to us today um you know what's your kind of story in a nutshell uh when it comes to infertility all right so this is Kelsey and my husband Andrew and I got married in 2016 and we quickly decided we wanted to have a family Um, My mom's one of 13 and my dad is one of seven, so I really did not think fertility would be a thing that I'd need to worry about, and um, joke was on me because nothing happened for a while, and so with infertility, you are, at my age, you were supposed to wait until about a year to go in, Um, and so we went and got tested because, again, couldn't get pregnant, and I looked great on paper, and the doctor said there was nothing wrong with me, so... um, we kept trying and nothing happened and finally I just was done and made a referral or got a referral to a fertility doctor and um, we found out that I have only half of my uterus they had to do like an actual laser through my cervix to figure that out Um, and it was really really fun and not painful at all that sounds awful yeah (laughs) it's like that folks is sarcasm yes mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. I'm just assuming every you can procedure see my face. that yeah, happens is just the most fun it's just cringeworthy all around 
Um, and then because of that, women with this condition, it's called a unicorn at uterus. So sometimes I refer to myself as a unicorn because it makes me happy. I like it. Um, like I think 60% or something have endometriosis. So sure enough, I had to have another procedure, laparoscopic surgery to rule that out. And also just to see the lay of the land down there, so to say. So um, I have endometriosis as well. And when they did that surgery, they removed it, um, but they didn't get it all. So I still have recurring endometriosis, which just causes a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. mainly up my back. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest thing is just painful. Yeah. Super painful. Just pain all the time. Um, And then we found out that I have one fallopian tube and one ovary that just kind of floats, just does its own thing. Not a problem, I guess, but so I call it my floater. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, I love that. <laughs> and you can get pregnant through that, but the odds are real weird. So I just, you know. Um, but yeah, so we decided we would start doing treatments. We were going to go up to IVF, but um, we found out the risk of me getting pregnant because of the amount of space I had made me extremely high risk for miscarriage. Like, I would probably be on bed rest, like, just a very high-risk situation. Um, And just at that point, with, like, my anxiety and everything, we decided to press pause. Through that time, we connected with some friends who had adopted, and then we decided to just stop all infertility treatments, and we went through adoption. We adopted our son, Sam. Um, In June of 2020, we matched with his birth mom on May 18th of 2020, so that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so we adopted him in 2020, and still have never been pregnant and that's just kind of where we are I think one thing people think about adoption is that it like cures my infertility and it has honestly made it harder mm-hmm. um and so that's something we can talk about later if we want but that's mm-hmm. my story in a nutshell mm-hmm. and we can talk about it later but I think you're bringing up a really good point which is sometimes from the outside we hear infertility and we think the problem is that you don't have a child mm-hmm. Right. So then we think like any avenue that that gets you into parenthood is the fix. But the reality is that you're living with multiple problems and Mm -hmm. none of them are solved by having a child. It's It's just a chronic medical diagnosis. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's not just like we have one big problem and it's that we don't have kids. Right. You know, and so all of these other problems are there and you have a child. Mm -hmm. So that's very true. And like when we were at the hospital with Sam, it was this amazing experience. Don't get me wrong, but the triggers were so prevalent because my vision of being at a hospital with a baby was that I was giving birth to a baby. And then there was the fact that I wasn't breastfeeding my baby, just all these things that really mm-hmm. came up. And that's when I was like, okay, Kelsey, you need to do more therapy because mm-hmm. this is bringing up a lot more than you expected. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about like, You've adopted this boy who's just incredible. And everybody, I am assuming, just assumes Mm -hmm. that you conceived him the old-fashioned way because he looks very similar to you and Andrew. (laughs) And so then it's like a quiet thing you carry. It's not all bad, but it's just complicated. Yes. And you have to kind of mostly just, anyway, who are you going to tell? Right. You know, it's just something you have to carry all the time. Correct. Yeah. 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 I think this might be jumping ahead for me, but being on the labor and delivery floor is what makes me feel the most broken because uh-huh. it's like the one area in the world where we celebrate women's bodies working how they were designed to work <laughs> and yeah. just like a constant reminder that mine was not working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And to like back up a bit, you're a doctor. Yes. And so you've been there in the room telling women like your body was made to do this. Yeah. And secretly you're thinking. Yeah. Like we do prenatal care. So from initial OB appointments, like congrats, you're pregnant. They're this many weeks along to, you know, coaching women through pushing and catching babies. So Mm -hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're watching women have like a full scope of feelings about being pregnant and having all of that. Yeah, and, all of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, I don't even know how to describe mm-hmm. it. It's just really difficult. Um, so I guess backing up. <laughs> <laughs> but to backpedal a little bit. Yeah. Back up. I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, so we got married in 2011. So we're celebrating 12 years in a couple weeks, which is awesome. Um, and we were really young, so we waited a while because we were really poor. <laughs> and um, then 2018 rolled around. I was in the middle of medical school, and it just seemed like a good time to start trying. And again, didn't ever foresee that I would have any issues, like some random miscarriages, but that's really actually very common. And so I didn't think that infertility, infertility would be something we dealt with. Um we actually waited closer to like 18 months to go get evaluated because I f- felt like we had skipped months. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, but it hasn't been 12 exact months. And everybody was like, you should just go. But I was just, I think I was in denial a little bit. Um, and again, they didn't find anything wrong with me either on that first thing. So they referred us to an infertility clinic. Um, lots of procedures, all of them painful mm-hmm. and awkward and not fun. Um and yeah, nothing really major was wrong. And so we started doing treatments in 2019, in like the fall. Um, and the first thing that they have you start is called intrauterine insemination. And it's like the turkey baster yes. method. Like, <laughs> like right, for those. Yeah. So, um, but it's cheaper and easier, um, but it's actually not very successful. And so we failed three of those month after month Mm. and, um, just like didn't get pregnant at all. And so then they were like, well, you should move on to IVF. And so, um, we did IVF first thing in, um, the spring of 2020. And there's a lot, a lot of misconceptions about IVF that it's this like magic bullet And I had people congratulating me for moving on to IVF, and I was horrified. I was like, it just felt so dismissive for everything that I had come through. And, like, just, yeah, um, IVF does not equal getting pregnant. Um, So we did our first round, and I responded perfectly to all the men's, and that was, it was daunting. Even for somebody that works in healthcare, all the shots are really daunting. Um, and we retrieved a lot of eggs and then at the end of five days, we only had two embryos, which Mm. is not a great number. Um, and both of them were incompatible with life. And so we were devastated. Obviously you just put all this effort and time and you get all your hopes up. And, um, our doctor basically told us that that was an unusual outcome for us given that we didn't have any health problems and that we were young and so he said you should try another cycle because you'll likely have go back towards like the median average outcome for your age and diagnosis so we did another cycle um and got even more eggs and more embryos and again all of them basically died before they were able to be like Uh, It's all very technical, but before they're able to be transferred back into the body. Um, And we did actually get two that survived that we transferred 
um, but they never implanted, so we never got pregnant on that cycle either. Um, and so again, we just had nothing at the end of three IUIs and two IVF cycles. So that was the middle of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that was, it was literally like June of 2020. I was just starting residency. Our church prior to that had kind of blown apart. And so we lost like our whole small group. And so it was just super, super isolating, um, to be in this minority. Like we had had friends that went through IVF, but they had success and they had a lot more embryos than we had. Um, yeah, it was just really, really hard. And so our doctor told us that we should probably look into donor eggs. Um, but at this point we were out of insurance and just struggling emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so we took a break until, um, I think I had my years wrong. Anyways, we took a break until like, no, I don't know. It's hard. It all blurs together. It all blurs together. Um, So we took a break until like the next January so we could switch insurances. So that was January of 2022. Sorry, I said my years wrong. Um, So January 2022, we started the donor egg process, which was super weird. Mm -hmm. Like picking a per, like I'm sure with picking a adopted Mm -hmm. family or like having them pick you, it's just like a weird thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that process took so much longer than we expected we had Mm. to do more labs more imaging um you had to go through the donor book and ask yourself all these weird questions like what matters Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a Mm -hmm. perspective um you know third person here and um so she went through meds we picked a donor she went through her cycle to like allow us to retrieve her eggs and she ovulated early And so that means that we couldn't proceed with that cycle because we wouldn't have gotten any eggs. So then we had to start again. Which is this thing that affects you and not Mm -hmm. just her. Yes. So I was also on meds at the same time to match. And we had spent a lot of money already and already had been waiting since like June of the year before. And Mm -hmm. this was like April of the next year. So hadn't had a chance to get pregnant in almost a year. Um, and so then she had to go through a cycle again, but then the clinic <laughs> had <laughs> a break in the summer where they were not in and like they allowed them to take breaks cause they need it, mm-hmm. which is fine. And, but we had to wait another four months. <laughs> yes. Um, and so then we were on all the meds, we were syncing up the cycles again and two days before she was supposed to start the meds after we'd already paid for them, she said, now is a bad time. I can't do this. Oh. And which is good for her for speaking what she yes. needed, I suppose. Yes. In the moment, I was not that gracious <laughs> um, because it it just felt like you don't understand you all the things I've right, been through. And, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So, um, you know, I totally appreciate people speaking up and mm-hmm. setting their boundaries for their own bodies. But we were angry. And they made a commitment. <clears throat> yeah. And it's awfully last minute. Yes. And so then I got the most pathetic phone call in my life from my clinic called and said, we just feel really bad for you. (laughs) And I was like, oh, good. My infertility clinic feels bad for me. This feels bad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They give you a free cycle. They did. So they gave us free eggs. So they had had other donors in the past that had donated and they had like nine eggs each. 
Um, and they were like, we will give you one of these batches of eggs because um, we just feel really bad for everything that happened. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, So we thawed those out and we ended up with three embryos. And we transferred the first one in August of last year and got pregnant and everything was perfect. Like, perfect. All the tests, all the imaging, everything was perfect. So you graduate from your infertility clinic after two ultrasounds in the first trimester. Um, And then I set my initial OB appointment for 12 weeks at my own clinic. And at my 12-week appointment, I had an ultrasound that showed that our baby died probably two days after my perfect ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And so there were three weeks where I was walking around and I had miscarried and I had no idea. And that was awful so that was Mm. at the very beginning of november so like going into all the holidays Mm. like and then we did another cycle in february of this year and miscarried again earlier um so now we have one embryo left and that's where we're at (laughs) (laughs) so we've been through all of it we've heard all the things that people Mm -hmm. have told us and Mm -hmm. and so it's not i think sometimes people like when they want updates, they'll just be like, what's next? And you're like, well, just the very next thing is that we're just waiting on this. Yeah. But like, I couldn't tell you three months right. from now what the status of anything will be or what we will be doing about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a hard thing to like live your life. And it's not just, we don't know what will happen. It's like your whole body is having to live through waiting and waiting and right. waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And yeah. for most of the waiting time, you're on meds or coming off meds. And like, so if you've seen me like crying hysterically at church, it was probably because I just came off of all of the hormones mm-hmm. yeah. and was like equivalent to a postpartum mom where you just yeah. like, you start crying and you just mm-hmm. can't stop it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. rough. It yeah. is. Well, and there's like, the biological clock mm-hmm. that when people ask me what was next that would like ramp up my anxiety because yes. I'm like well I'm just getting another year older yes. like yeah you become a geriatric pregnancy yes. at 35 yeah, yeah. geriatric <laughs> is the word yes advanced yeah. maternal age it just gets it's dusty painful. in there yeah. it does <laughs> there's cobwebs you gotta clear them out <laughs> it's yeah I don't know and like that would always the what's next like what are you doing next and I'm like, well, I'm getting another year older. Like, going to therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and coming off the medicine is something people don't talk about either. And we only oh did gosh. three. We did three cycles of Clomid mm-hmm. before we paused everything. And it was, I mean. Clomid is a, like, oral medication yeah. to induce ovulation, for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. And you can feel. I could feel my ovaries. Like, I could, too. It like felt like something was exploding or, yes. inside yeah. of me. It was so yeah. painful. Like, I'm a tummy sleeper, and so I couldn't oh. sleep on my tummy, and that was like, so you're not getting great sleep, but just... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that with both of my IVF <laughs> cycles, I got ovarian hyperstimulation no. syndrome. I was in the ER, and I had an ultrasound, and both of my ovaries were nine centimeters and covered in cysts. I looked six months pregnant. I couldn't walk. <sighs> I couldn't breathe. I couldn't eat. I was in so much pain. So I like hid out in my house for mm-hmm. a week after each of those because mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't wear my clothes. Yeah. And, and it, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of what you guys are saying, and it's, it's not just you, it's your husband's too. You're both mm-hmm. married. Oh yeah. 
and you're all kind of walking you're walking through this together you have a few people in your life that really understand it and then most people don't Mm -hmm. and all of it is something that you're just walking around with all Mm -hmm. the time yeah with no I mean I don't know about you but it for me it's something I think about every single day oh Mm -hmm. yeah for sure it is as much a part of me as like my husband my child yep I mean Mm -hmm. it's in the room with me all the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. so um you guys uh you let me know what to talk about next we talked about a few things just like the you know we threw around ideas like uh what are the things that are not helpful for someone to say there's just to like get the ideas flowing but then also to say what are the things that that are super super helpful so Mm -hmm. that people who do know this because obviously you're Mm -hmm. not going to walk around with like a, a a name tag on that says you know, hi, I'm dealing with infertility. Right. Talk yeah. me, you know, ask me details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask me about my infertility yeah. today. So, um, yeah, the things that are not helpful and then spend some time just saying, you know, I can, I can say from this standpoint, like for us, um, we've been foster parents and mm-hmm. May is foster mm-hmm. awareness yeah. month. And so like just this last week we republished an old like January 2021 episode about adoption because Phil and I have both adopted. That's awesome. And, you know, for us with foster care, there's so much with it that like no one would ever understand mm-hmm. unless yep. they've done it. You know, so there's like there's that. But there are certainly things that I know for me are so, like so unhelpful Mm-hmm. The people have said to me and then things that are just like such a gift. There are some conversations I've had with people who maybe are inside or outside of the issue that they've said something to me that I replay in my brain, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so just spend some time. Give us give us some examples of the things that are not helpful and then the things that have been a gift. I like what you said in that there's so much that people can't understand unless they've been through it. And I think that that's the crux of it. Like if Mm -hmm. you're trying to speak into it or offer solutions and you don't know what you're talking about, I guarantee it's going to come off the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Really the best thing is just to be like curious and humble and accept boundaries. If I don't want to answer something or yeah. And never ever start a sentence with at least. Like, mm. at least you got pregnant. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, don't do that. <laughs> at least you have a child through yeah. adoption. Like, yeah. Oof. yeah. 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 And I think as far as something someone said to me that sticks with me still, uh, when I was really in the depths of it and not in a good place mentally, how many, like, how many kids do you have? Mm. When are your, you and your husband going to have kids? One of my friends, she always says, instead of that, she goes, tell me about your family. Mm-hmm. And now I try to reframe any time I'm having small talk with people. I don't know. Tell me about your family. Because that could just be, your family could just be you. It could be you and your dog. It could be whatever you want to tell me versus me putting something on you, like just assuming you have kids or Mm -hmm. whatever. So that's just something that I've always tried to do to be a more empathetic person. Because I know pre-infertility, I'm sure I've said something that Mm -hmm. rubs someone walking infertility the wrong way just because it's. Not, you don't know. You don't know. And yeah. it's just. Mm-hmm. And I love that question because, I mean, when you meet somebody and you don't know them very well, you do want to ask questions to right. like say, I'm interested in learning about you. Mm-hmm. And then you know that yeah. at, the more adult you become, the more you realize that things you say could be like loaded. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when yeah. you're a teenager, for the most part, you're like, so 
you know, right. nothing matters. But when you get, the older you get, the more loaded your questions can be. Right. <laughs> well, I just, yeah. And like that question, like, when are you going to have kids? And like, sorry if there are kids listening, but you're literally asking, when yes. are you going to have unprotected sex? Agreed. And it's a little inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, like the like, at least you get to have sex all the time. And oh. I'm like, Yes. Do you want to see my planner in which I've like dotted all the times I actually can and cannot? Like mm-hmm. it's so it becomes this like formulaic. Yeah, it is not not joyful. Not like, joyful. Yeah, yeah. Not what like like the church sometimes church with a big C, not table church, but like the whole like as a woman and just you need to procreate and be a mom and all this mm-hmm. stuff. There's just a lot of baggage I have about that mm-hmm. um where like sex is not the greatest thing ever when you're walking in fertility it can mm-hmm. be a chore and just right and, like, and then you're on medicines and your body is changing yeah. and you yeah. also feel like disconnected from your body because it's not working the way you want it to mm-hmm. they're not like the same thing like the the no. work it takes to conceive a baby when things are not just right. like clicking all perfectly mm-hmm. on their own mm-hmm is not the same thing as just like what people are talking about when they're talking about sex right that's not they're not the same thing like it's an actual job it's like a part-time job it is yeah (laughs) like (laughs) shuffling when you're gonna make it to the doctor and like Mm -hmm. how you're gonna hide your medicines from all your coworkers Mm -hmm. and like yeah, it's hard. The paper bag that the men have to carry. Yes. The clinic. Yes. Just, they, they get to yeah. walk into the clinic and grab their little paper baggie and then walk out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a different. It is. They're different thing. things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I, you made the comment that like you, your church had kind of blown up when you were walking through and mm-hmm. we were struggling to find a church mm-hmm. throughout all of it. So we never really felt like we had a community, but I had a lot of like hard things said to me from a church context and like from all moms stand on mother's day mm-hmm. so we can give you a flower yep. to mm-hmm. um like hey you don't have a kid yet would you mind working in the nursery yep. like things like that not at table church like these are other experiences we've had that i think the church with a capital c like there's just a lot of um gender roles I don't know if that's like the Mm -hmm. best way but things that you're expected to do that I think a lot of people don't consider Mm -hmm. and it's hard I think it's really easy for church with a capital C to shuffle people into groups Mm -hmm. and if you don't fit into one of those groups you kind of feel lost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't think table church does that I think we actually do really well about like making people feel welcome in all like walks of their life Mm -hmm. um but yeah like as a married 30 something without kids it feels like we're in limbo and like between the young people that are just getting out of college and then like all the other people our age have at least one kid Mm -hmm. maybe multiple kids and so then you're like where do I fit in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're kind of I would just assume this but maybe kind of bracing yourself for now that you're done with your residency Mm -hmm. for people to be like well now are you gonna have kids Mm -hmm. and you're like I think most of the people that know us know we've been very vocal um I think that's almost a defense too to just give out some truth so that people know some context Mm -hmm. it was for us yeah for sure yeah yeah like we may not tell you exactly when we're gonna do a treatment so then you're not like well, yeah. are they pregnant or are they miscarrying? You know, yeah, like, right. Um, but yeah, I feel like our, my immediate coworkers, I 100% told them because mm-hmm. 
A, you're going to see me like with shots in my bag and I'm not a... (laughs) I'm not dying, but also I go to like the bathroom a lot. Right, not to yeah. do drugs. Yeah. Right, so yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I think there's just a lot of freedom in like speaking your truth too, because yes. mm-hmm. you do carry it around all day. And I'm sure that it's difficult to know. I mean, there was going to be a first time that you talked about it at all, mm-hmm. and it was probably mm-hmm. baby steps into the pool, I would mm-hmm. assume. But then there's a, like a balance where you don't want to share out of your like gaping wounds. You know, Mm because that can really be putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. for, Mm -hmm. you know, more trauma. But you're also not able to wait until it really feels all healed up because that's never probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there's a – for people out there who might be dealing with this and do feel like they want to share more, or if you have something else in your life that is similar where it's, like, a a thing that's kind of a secret Mm -hmm. but you walk through, Mm -hmm. you know, every day dealing with it – how do you how do you yourselves determine like what to share and where to share it and has that been on the whole a good thing for you yeah so i i do share a lot on my social media but i want to talk more about my job because like you said there's just so much you have to plan around in your day when you're going through this and um the company i work for at the time, we didn't have coverage. So in, infertility wasn't covered when we were walking through it. Um, and it was really hard. And you have to kind of wait for a qualifying event to jump over to like my husband's insurance that did have it. And so that was always, the cost was always really prohibitive for me, um, which was another factor as to why we adopted overdoing IVF. Mm-hmm. But somehow we, my company has like a mom's group and I always... I never joined it because I'm not a mom. Uh, But I knew with the size of the company I worked for, there were a lot of people who also, I mean, just the number, it's one in six now. Mm -hmm. I knew there were other people that were feeling the same way. And so I signed up for this connection network through the moms group. And I connected with another mom who was walking it and was also very upset at the coverage. Mm -hmm. And we then started talking to HR, started trickling out. And it created a village at my company. That's what we call it. And now we have, there's like 50 members right now um, because it's a baby village. But we meet to talk and it's creating, like now we're getting in front of HR. We're getting in front of more diversity and our benefits have increased. Um, That's amazing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like, it's such a hard road to walk. So when you're at work, especially you're, you don't know people the way you know in like your personal life. And Mm -hmm. But I was just small, like small steps and we were able to connect and now it's become this thing and it's such a big need that we're starting to see that we're getting attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like excited. I'm happy. I don't know. I mean, it was clearly God because I was like very depressed in my role at the time because I'm like, I have this stuff going on, but I don't have anybody to kind of get mm-hmm. it out there. And like God worked and now we've connected with a bunch of people and it's really cool. helping others as they mm-hmm. navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just well, the beautiful thing about it is that like there is no like there you're going to have the problems that you have, but they are better when you're not alone. Right. Like you cannot yeah. it doesn't make anything worth it or anything better. Right. It doesn't like say, Oh look, God brought me all this purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is purpose right. in the fact that you found like you found a healthy because it's true when you're at work. If you just start oversharing about like really deeply personal issues, like that's not 
Right. That's not cool. No. But if you find that way to get in and then you find out you're not alone and you knew that, but right. it was like a way that you could be productive with it. Right. Yeah. And we're like helping. I mean, we're, real change. we're kind of just stirring the pot a little bit to keep mm-hmm. getting better benefits or mm-hmm. to just help. Like I've connected with another adoptive mom. Um, now we meet twice a month just to kind of talk because she's walking that process. And mm-hmm. That's awesome. Just things like that. But cool. Just because I... I just was like, whatever, I'm going to sign up for this mom's group, even though yeah. I'm not a mom. And look what it got me. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so now the next person that's starting to realize they're going through the same thing yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't have to start with, right. I think I'm, what, what, you know, they have an instant place right. to go, which is so huge. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Lindsay? Um, yeah, I think, like I said, I kind of had to be pretty open about it at work because I, work really closely with my co-residents and was like shuffling schedules and stuff to figure it out and so at some point I don't remember why but Taylor decided to talk about it on the radio um at his show and then people would just randomly come up to us and they'd be like oh my gosh I had no idea and that was just like even sharing like bare bones things Mm -hmm. um and we did get a lot of unhelpful comments but a lot of people came up and were just like thank you for talking about this because I've been going through it And then I, kind of on the whim, decided to share on my Facebook for Infertility Awareness Week two years ago, um, like, what we kind of had gone through. And so that was in that window um, where we had done, like, one IVF cycle without success. And so was just feeling all sorts of ways. And through that, I had so many girls and women um, message me privately or text me who I had no idea Mm -hmm. that they were struggling and they just said like wow thank you for sharing I had so many family members say oh my gosh um I had no idea how this worked I learned so much because I shared a lot about like the actual process because I think most people don't really know how it all works and um it was really hard like you were saying but it was also really um freeing a little Mm -hmm. bit because it was like yes, this is in my head every day and I walk with this every day. And mm-hmm. so then other people kind of a better idea. And I think you don't give people a chance to be there for you unless you can share what you're going through. And it doesn't have to be every gory detail, but um, it just opened the door for a lot of people to love on us in really special ways um, that we didn't have before and mm-hmm. that we actually really needed. Yeah. Um, and so since then we've been pretty vocal about it and, um, we talked at a church a couple weeks ago and Taylor just did, um, another podcast and then we're doing another podcast together in a couple weeks. So it's mm-hmm. been interesting to see the opportunities because I think people are reaching out to us saying like, Hey, you guys are talking about this and this is really common. And would you keep talking about mm-hmm. this? Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just about creating those safe spaces for women and couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just a female yes. thing and men yeah. are just as affected if not more so because it's even more taboo for them to talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Number one, I like what you said about um, you don't give people a chance to be there for you unless you open the door. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, when you feel like you can, if you open the door just a crack, you're giving people a chance right. to be there for you when mm-hmm. they couldn't have it all before mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And people, I mean, you get in that position where you need to kind of teach people how to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the 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 work of teaching someone how to be there for you is better work 
than the work of walking through it by yourself. Oh my yes. gosh, a million times. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you've both mentioned this a bit, and I wanted to get this in there before we wrapped up, but could you talk a little bit about what it's like uh, for your husbands to walk through all of this? Because you mentioned that, so perfect mm-hmm. segue. But then mm-hmm. also, like, I think about this all the time. Like, uh, because I have more influence in the church, able to do things like this like when it comes to father's day and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. i've really advocated for wanting to be as sensitive to mm-hmm. father's day as we try to you know the church has right. gone a long way i think to be more sensitive about mother's day mm-hmm. <laughs> father's day is its own separate thing yeah yep. and just knowing this is a triggering issue mm-hmm. for a lot of men for whatever reason you know mm-hmm. these days are very loaded yeah but yes. especially when you're dealing with infertility and all of this other extra stuff you know, and how it crosses over with adoption and all of that. Um, what do you have to say about just like, you know, what have you observed? What would you mm-hmm. want to share about that? Um, so the podcast Taylor just went on was actually in a Father's Day series. So it's a podcast called Manly with Andy. He said it's not <laughs> as like dumb as it sounds. <laughs> um, but they're doing a series for Father's Day and they wanted to get the perspective of a guy going through fertility. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, one thing that kind of blew me away through the whole process was how differently we grieved each step. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was feeling this very visceral, emotional and physical thing every step of the way. And he was not. Um, and so his responses often lagged months behind mine. Like we miscarried in November and we were sitting on the couch together in January. And he was like, it's just hitting me this week that we had a miscarriage. Um, and then after the second one, he was talking to a friend about it all. And the friend asked, which miscarriage? And he was like, oh, yeah, we've had two. And it was just like, it's not it's not always like registering immediately for him. And it's really hard for him to process. And um, he often says, like, it's hard to like grieve something you haven't touched. And it's hard to grieve something that doesn't have like ceremonies around it. Like we have funerals for other people. And there's really, this all just kind of happens in private. And mm-hmm. a lot of people just kind of try to forget that it happened at all. Um, and so, you know, I've been trying to encourage him to talk, like, as he's able. And I think he's finding more words for what he's feeling. And I'm so proud of him for being mm-hmm. able to, like, share it on the radio in front of, you know, 75,000 people a week. Um, because it's really brave. Mm-hmm. Um but it also just like really needs to be said because this is a couple's thing. Like yeah. it's not a female issue. It's not a male issue. It's takes two. And yeah. it's a particular thing to have to be the guy in that situation watching it all happen. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. men talk about feeling um, incapable of helping like in a mm-hmm. delivery room, imagine that feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. But for five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Taylor's been the best most supportive person through all of this he gives me my shots every night you know when I need like he had to learn how to do that and like um stuff like that and um but yeah I think he's getting better about being honest about it and like how he's feeling but it it always lags behind where I'm at and so then you have to give grace for that too because it's I want to be angry I'm like well why did what what (laughs) I want to be here for you but don't pull me back into that pit I I know yeah so it's yeah it's just really interesting how that's played out Mm -hmm. and Andrew and Taylor sound like they process it very similarly and like ours like I've never been pregnant so I've never went through or had to grieve any of that but I will say miscarriage care 
in our country in general mm-hmm. is not good. And like there's no systems in place that we have. That's something else we our company we've really been trying to push for. Um but I think like Andrew initially cuz they have to test both people when mm-hmm. you're going through it. And men, I think they just emotions and processing it and it's not something guys really talk about Mm -mm. um because there's like this like masculinity thing that happens um throughout growing up and Mm -hmm. all of that so like Andrew was tested just to see what his numbers were and initially we thought it was him and so that was like not a it was kind of a humbling humiliating experience the paper bag just all of it for men it's just different I don't know um, and I can't, like, speak words into exactly how he was feeling. I just know it was hard. Well, then we found out that the machine was broken. Oh, my gosh. At the hospital. Mm. So it was never him. And, like, so I just, he had, like, this false alarm. And then it, so he kind of, I think, had, like, a sense of mm-hmm. this feeling. But then it was never that. We ended up being okay on the male factor. Um a male factor infertility, I think, is a third of all cases. And then mm-hmm. it's women. And then it's un determined for mm-hmm. like a third a third mm-hmm. a third um but Andrew he's getting more open about talking or like at school he has some teacher friends who are also walking it and he tries to just subtly share like hey I know what you're going through and mm-hmm. try to connect them to me or he's try he's talked and stuff but I just think a lot of men don't know how to talk about it because talking about feelings isn't masculine or and this is like the most vulnerable yes subject place you can be yeah and I think Andrew and Taylor they both they just both sound like they've processed it pretty similarly but mm-hmm. like I'm just proud that Andrew stood up Absolutely. and like has talked even where he can and yeah 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 definitely mm-hmm. wow you guys have given us a lot to think about <laughs> <laughs> Is there, um, is there anything that we haven't said yet that you want to be sure that we say before we wrap up anything at all? I don't know. If you have questions, yeah. just ask me. I suppose it's a good yeah. idea. Most yeah. of the time, I'm very open about what we've gone through and am more than willing to share mm-hmm. yeah. and like establish myself as a safe person to come to if you are going through the same thing. Yeah, so anybody that does have questions, whether you live in Des Moines or not, you can just email podcast at tablechurchdsm.org, and there'll be a link for that down in the show notes, and we will be happy to connect you with mm-hmm. both of these ladies and their husbands, too, if uh, you'd like to talk with them. So I'm sure that um, that would be an incredible gift to anyone who reaches out to you. So I know that I just love you two so much. I love Andrew and Taylor so much. Um, I am so thankful that you guys have always been so willing and so open to talk about this stuff. Um, You know, it's just an incredible gift to us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.